0: Hello there, Nerf Herders. Welcome back to Han Talks First, the latest and greatest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. I'm your host, Han, and we've got a lot of great things to talk about today. Most importantly, talking about what we can expect coming this Friday at Disney Plus Day. Tons of announcements, tons of speculation, and I'm joined by a guest today. But before I bring him in, let me tell you about what else you can expect, expect on today's show. So we're talking about some comments made by matt smith about the rise of skywalker and his almost potential involvement with it we're also discussing rogue squadron and how it could possibly be delayed a secret star wars movie coming in 2023 and taika waititi's movie updates and tons of other great stuff like that so take a seat kick back relax you're listening to han talks
1: first so who talks first you talk first i talk first so yeah
0: happy sunday star wars sunday to all of you out there if you're watching live welcome to the show put your name down in the comment section so we can see who's here and engage with us we'll try and reach everyone as we can going through this um if you're new here if you're watching this on youtube subscribe so you don't miss an episode we have tons of other great videos coming out this week not just live streams but we do a live stream every sunday at noon pacific And then if you're listening on the audio platforms, we're available anywhere podcasts are found. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, you name it, Overcast, we're there. So subscribe to that too so you never miss an episode. Because we talk about great things all the time here. And just a quick heads up, if you guys want more Star Wars talk today, I am actually going to be a guest on another podcast that goes live at 3 p.m. Pacific, So I will be joining the Elite Review podcast on their YouTube channel later today. If you want to stop by and check it out, I will post it on my Twitter so you can find it there. And we are going to talk more Star Wars with those lovely guys. So I will leave a link out later today. And also, if you want to support this show and what we do here, we would greatly appreciate it. In the description, there is a link to StreamElements.com. Slash Han Talks first slash tip, where you can send in a question, say hello, and support us any which way. So, with that done and out of the way, let me bring in my guest today. And this is actually someone I met just a little over a week ago. And we were working together and we were just on a break at work and just started talking about Star Wars. And really hit it off. And then at some point I was like, hey, you know what? Why don't you just come on the show? We continue this conversation. So joining me today is Joe Knight. Here he is. What's up, buddy?
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Pretty good. And so like I was, like I was telling the listeners, we, we just met last week. We did. And did. we had some great Star Wars conversations. Some of it was like almost cathartic, at least for me anyway. But one thing you said to me after we had a discussion, you were just like, wow, it felt good to... What did you say? It was like good to talk about it or like yeah, I was, get it out there a little like bit? I felt like I
2: was really starved for good uh, Star Wars discussion with uh, you know people who, I'm not going to say knew what they were talking about, because I appreciate everyone's uh, opinions and perspectives, but um, people who are a little more well-read on the subject and whatnot, and I, I don't get a ton of that. So uh, I really appreciate our conversations, and I was looking forward to having more.
0: Hell yeah. Well that's why that's why you're here. That's why we are here. So everyone say hello to Joe. And like I do with every guest on a new guest on the show, I always ask them what their Star Wars story is. So Joe, let us know what your Star Wars story is. It could be a favorite memory, how you got into it, etc. The floor is yours.
2: Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. My mom was a huge Star Wars fan long before I was born. She saw Um, a new hope or star Wars, you know, as it was known several times in the theater in 1977, she had been kind of a diehard ever since. So I was born in 94 and um, as the Phantom Menace was coming up, she showed me um, a new hope or at least a curated version that a four and a half year old would appreciate um, kind of to prepare me for potentially seeing that in theaters with her, which I ended up doing um and that just uh started the was the spark that lit the flame of me loving star <laughs> wars um and so that was uh, that, that was your
0: first introduction to watching one of the movies
2: it was indeed yeah it was the things i remember vividly i remember the the <laughs> trench run vividly but other than that it's just kind of like flashes um and then that was it and i've been a Star Wars merchandise hound since then, there's me at four with my Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. And, um, that unfortunately has continued. Unfortunately, my bank account has continued for uh, yep. 22 years. Mine too. Mine too.
0: <laughs> so well, will tell me more about that leading into the Phantom Menace. Do you actually remember going to that movie in the theaters?
2: I remember it vaguely. I remember the things that kind of like, this is almost like a, such a popular soundbite, but I do remember that the, uh, Darth Maul's lightsabers, and I don't remember the trailer. Obviously, a lot of people's memory is, you know, seeing um, Darth Maul's double-sided blade ignite yeah. in the trailer, and having to go see other movies just to see that trailer over and over again. Um, but I remember that happening in the theater, and just being super excited about that. Um,
0: That's so cool. I, that, I don't remember so much. I I remember that I did go see. The Phantom Menace in theaters, but I actually don't remember my experience. Mm. I just know that I did go. And I think the first movie that I actually remember seeing in theaters is sadly The Force Awakens. Like I went to all the I went to, you know, Tag of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, but I mean, I wasn't that young, but for some reason, the experience the most recent one I can remember is The Force Awakens, which was a great one. Interesting. Yeah, that was a great theater experience
2: i have so many fond memories from that thursday night premiere night of force awakens did you dress up so
0: much hope i mean oh (laughs) yeah me too so much hope (laughs) but so that's great and we'll get to know a little bit more about your star wars story later too um but again thanks for joining us today and guys like we do every week we're going to start off with our first segment of the show star wars replay so here
1: is this week's segment enjoy Star Wars Replay Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, back in 1952, the famous voice actor Jim Cummings, who voices Hondo Inaka in Star Wars Clone Wars, is born. In 1972, Thandie Newton, who plays Val in Solo A Star Wars Story, is born. In 1982, Before the name change to Return of the Jedi, the comic strip leading into the film, Revenge of the Jedi, was published. Fun fact, it's also the first appearance of Admiral Ackbar. In 2007, Star Wars Lego The Complete Saga video game was released. At least, at the time, they thought it was The Complete Saga. And finally, this week, back in 2019, was the release of Chapter 1, The Mandalorian on Disney+. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history.
0: Just want to take a quick second and welcome any of you who are watching live and putting your name in the comment section. We have with us today Robin McFly, Max 46. I am Rice Krispy, Janam Chaos. I haven't seen your name before. Welcome, you guys. And again, if any of you else are watching live, put your name down so we can say hello to you and talk to you throughout the show. So let's Joe, actually, I have a question for you, Joe. I'm curious. So you're obviously a Star Wars fan. You're here, <laughs> but uh, are you a Marvel guy at all?
2: Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a pretty good Marvel, big Marvel guy. I'm not a Marvel comics guy so much, but I'm. I think I'm, I would consider myself like an MCU guy. You know? Um, yeah,
0: me too. You know, I saw Eternals I, I, last night. I was just going to ask you if you saw Eternals because I watched it on Friday night. Friday night. What did you think?
2: um it's a different movie it's a different movie it's it's like an anti-mcu movie which i appreciated in some regard i was hoping that it would have um kind of more of an impact on what was already going on in the mcu but i almost feel like just due to the scope of it and how grandiose that everything was it almost can't really intersect with the stories they're already telling so i it seemed odd to me um It also, I'll say that, that, you know, without getting too nitty gritty or trying to be negative, it felt kind of long to me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I know people love Chloe Zhao. She, Zhao, Zhao, she is coming off the Oscar. Zhao. Zhao. Um, So good for her. The response has been mixed, I think. So I don't think I'm going off of, you know, I don't think I'm coming out of left field here.
0: Yeah, um, it was it was interesting because leading up to it, like the critic reviews were it's currently at like 49 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is. Which makes it the lowest ranked MCU film yet, which is kind of insane because leading up to this again, Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney executives were like really had high hopes for this film. And Mm -hmm. people were saying it's like the best film Marvel has made yet. And then it comes out with these critic reviews. And one thing I told Chris, my girlfriend, when we saw it, was, <clears throat> it, was it was long. It was so long. Just and so long. We, we went to the 10 o'clock screening because tickets were sold out. Those are the we could get. And yeah. we both fell asleep during parts. It was just so long. And I think it could have definitely been shorter. Because it's not that it's a bad film. It's just a lot of it is very diegetic talking scenes where characters are just talking to each other and it's all exposition. It's all important to like listen to. And we fell asleep for bits and pieces. And at the end of the movie, we were still a little confused because every line of dialogue is almost really important for that, yeah. that movie. But Absolutely. It was long, and I'm really curious to see how it will tie into future MCU stuff. But, yes, I mean,
2: it, it has to have some sort of footprint. I'm fascinated to see what that'll be.
0: Me too. And once it... I was actually telling you guys on my Twitter feed that uh, me and Chris might be interested in doing a review, so if anyone who listens to the show is interested in us doing a review on that, let us know on Twitter or Instagram or right here in the comment section. Because for those of you that don't know, occasionally we do talk about Marvel stuff on Hunt Talks First. So let us know and we might consider doing an Eternals review. So, but yeah, with the, the, ask that question because some of the stuff we're talking about today involves people who have worked with Marvel before. And of course, under the, the big Disney umbrella, the, the evil mouse, whatever you want to refer to them. And uh, a lot of that will tie into our main topic today, kind of what we can expect to come November 12th on Disney Plus Day. So kind of merging into that, I want to start off by talking about some of the news going on in the world of Star Wars and starting off with some interesting stuff that was uh, spread around the interwebs a couple days ago. And that's about Matt, Matt Smith. For those of you who don't know who Matt Smith is, he was, he was the doctor in Doctor Who for a little while. He's been on some other shows. I'm not too familiar with his work. Uh, He was most recently in Last Night in Soho. But if you guys remember, leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, it was heavily rumored that he was going to be in the movie playing a younger Palpatine. movie came out. That obviously wasn't true. And people thought they were just bad rumors. Well, he was being interviewed on a podcast called Happy, Sad, Confused about his rumored appearance in the show and if it was ever real, who he was going to be, etc. And here's what he had to say on this podcast. So we were close to me being in it, but it just never quite happened. I think the thing they were thinking of me for eventually, the part became obsolete, and they didn't need it, and so I never got to be in Star Wars. I could not possibly say if it was Palpatine's son, but it was a pretty groovy thing. It was a pretty groovy part and concept, like a big story detail, like a transformative Star Wars story detail, but it never quite got over the line. So, One thing I hate about reading quotes on the show is that when people speak, it's not actually like proper English sometimes. So I'm sorry if that sounded confusing to you all. But what he's saying here, he was pretty much prefaced with the question, were you Palpatine? Were you Palpatine's son? Who were you? He said he couldn't answer that question. But he did say something interesting, which is why I thought it was worth bringing up on the show, that his role was going to be a transformative detail in Star Wars. And he went on to say in that interview that it was going to affect not just the rise of Skywalker, but all the movies previous to it. And it would affect the whole history of Star Wars. People still speculate, of course, now that he was going to be Palpatine's son. But when I read these comments and I watch the interview, what I actually think is that he was going to be something completely different. I actually theorize he could have possibly been the son the mortis son from the clone wars which is very far out there but it's one of the only characters i can think of that he could represent that would have such a transformative detail in star wars history that's just my theory but joe so you you've heard these comments and stuff yes what are your thoughts on it in general like did you even hear the rumors before rise that he might be in the show
2: Yes, he was, I remember the headlines from like 2018 maybe about Matt Smith being cast in some unknown role and then i kind of, you know, escaped my mind and then obviously he wasn't in it and then I had not thought about it until there were some, some headlines after release saying, oh yeah, I guess they caught him, what have you. The thing that I think is so interesting about that quote is that it seems so, so uh, paradoxical to me to say that the role was ultimately considered obsolete which is why they didn't use him, but right. it's going to be this massive transformative element of Star Wars lore. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting about, I think you might be onto something about the Mortis thing, just because I feel like they kind of did tread um, lightly a bit with the, with the, with the, you know, having Ray's father obviously be a Palpatine and showing him and whatnot. I, you'd think that if he was going to be Palpatine adjacent at all, that would have been the Matt Smith. I I wouldn't think that they would do Palpatine's failed clone son Mm -hmm. as that gentleman. I couldn't tell you what the actor's name was. And then also this other Palpatine relative, Matt Smith, like it just doesn't seem like those things would jive. Um, But with the rumors about there having been some sort of mortis element in some of the earlier drafts of uh, Rise of Skywalker, I think that would have been fascinating. I also think that he didn't even strike me until you said it but I think he would absolutely look the part perfectly
0: (laughs) for the son of Mortis yes I think so and obviously it could be a number of other things too and we know that the rise of Skywalker the development period for this movie was all over the place I mean Ian McDermott was brought in last minute and so I mean not to mention the Colin Trevorrow script he gets fired It was a massive headache trying to build this movie with such a such a short deadline. So it could have been anybody. You could even say he could have been a character in Colin Trevorrow's script. Maybe he wasn't even involved with JJ's. But the other thing I wanted to present with this his quote is that you know, back when JJ Abrams was making um, Star Trek Two Into Darkness, darkness. is that what it's called? He was pressured with the questions from the press about is Benedict Cumberbatch playing Khan and he always said no and then when a movie came out and he was eventually Khan everyone was pissed at JJ (laughs) for for lying to everybody and I think maybe that similar thing could have happened here everyone was pressuring him is Matt Smith in the movie is he Palpatine's son and kept saying no and then eventually was like I can't do that to people again (laughs) I just you're not in the movie so it's like Anything could have happened, but I hope maybe five years, ten years, he'll come out at another interview and his NDA is gone, and he can finally say what that role was. So it's interesting. Yes, it's very hopefully curious.
2: we'll know so much about the um, writing and production of the sequel trilogy once all these NDAs run out. <laughs> There's so many things yes. that I need to know. I mean, even just to, you know, you glance on it, not something we talk about at length, but just the just the The Trevorrow exit, just like right. I need I need some dates,
0: Um, and then like with the whole, um, his Colin Trevorrow's like personal production team leaking the script to try and get people like be like, oh, it was actually good things like that. Like there's so much behind the scenes mysteries to like what went down. And another thing about learning about the development of these movies, the guy who was writing the making of The Force Awakens book put in all the development drama that happened behind the scenes with George, with JJ, Kathy, all this kind of stuff. And he was eventually told to take everything out. And then they canceled that book and eventually came out with a different version, another writer. And then I think it was it was either Paul Duncan or another guy. I think he recently passed away. And he was saying he wished that story would have come out someday and Absolutely. so it's like what what could there's so much we could we could learn but yeah it's um i just want to say hello to some new people who are joining us year network what's up <laughs> your kicks good to see you um red five network hello guys good to see you as well thanks for joining us at the show um just to kind of address what you guys are saying here in the chat year says i hear eternals was bad well before i saw it i heard it was bad too it, it's not a bad film it has some narrative issues, I think. We both, me and Joe, were saying it's a little long. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to say too much to give anything away because it just came out. But hey, it's not bad. It's not that bad as people are making it out to be. Uh, Max says, at first I wanted to say, I think Venom, Let There Be Carnage was a decent, just because I haven't shared my opinion, movie. And I watched Eternals a few hours ago and it was pretty good, but too long. Kind of what we were saying. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Max. Um, are you gonna rewatch it? Uh, I think that meant for Eternals. Yeah, I think maybe because so. I fell asleep. Um, possibly, but I'm I'm in no rush. I'm yeah. in no rush to see it.
2: I won't be see. I won't be rewatching it in theaters at, at least.
0: Yeah, I think me too. Is it's such a time commitment? It is. <laughs> to do that. Uh, maybe he would have played a young Palpatine during his training. That's another possibility too. And I think something people heavily thought was going to happen. And red five says, hello. Cool. So let's go on to our next uh, news topic here, which is um, a shorter one, but it's actually about rogue squadrons, Patty Jenkins, upcoming star Wars film. So the rumor is that it's going to be delayed because of production issues. And also because of uh, line producing issues, you know, Patty Jenkins is getting a lot of work and we'll talk about some of the other, you know, reasons that it could be delayed too. But, um, the first thing is the script for rogue squadrons is suffering from major rewrites right now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the writer of rogue squadron is Matthew Robinson. He's written movies like the invention of lying love and monsters, the edge of tomorrow. I think he's a great writer and I love most of the films he's done. Those three are good examples of movies. I actually enjoy. Um, but it's suffering a lot of rewrites right now. Uh, we don't know why we don't know the the basic concept for what she's going to adapt this movie to be. Um, But the other thing is Patty Jenkins was recently offered to return to the Wonder Woman franchise and do the third movie. Now she originally wasn't supposed to do Wonder Woman three. She was originally going to do the first two and then she was going to bring in someone for the third one, someone else, but she was going to oversee the project as a producer. And then she was going to bring in an, another director to do an amazon tv show or movie but now and i have a theory on why she's coming back to wonder woman uh is because when they put wonder woman 84 on hbo max she was rightfully so pretty upset about it and i think part of that negotiation was hey we'll let you direct the third one with a big fat truck of money she was like okay and i think this might have something to do with aligning making her star wars movie um but Joe, I'm curious to know your thoughts on Rogue Squadron, like when it was announced and stuff. Like, what do you think about this this concept and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited by it. I mean, I always love those, and I always love those games. Um, and just the potential for that—I don't know—property and where it's going to be. Now, you're going to have to refresh my memory because I think I remember, but I don't want to talk out of turn about where it's going to be in the timeline. It's it's um, New Republic era, right?
0: Um, so, it's my understanding that this is going to be the first movie that takes place after the sequels.
2: Right, okay, yeah, right. Um, gotcha. So, right. yes, Post
0: the New Republic right. era. Which okay. even makes it more interesting on what what is going on at this time period. Right. Which might be the reason why they're doing so many rewrites. Cause it's a huge right. task. It's not only doing a Star Wars movie, but it's kind of continuing the the overall timeline and pushing this forward it could open up new stories for the future because they kind of have to rebuild a world in some ways um real quick what are your thoughts on patty as a director
2: um i'm i'm a fan i mean just even speaking about the wonder woman films i'm part of the minority that thought that wonder woman 84 was 1984 was quite good i mean i really enjoyed that movie i watched it
0: i so, I didn't uh, understand why people thought it was so bad. I, t-
2: I really didn't either. And it's not even, I, I don't know. I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was kind of in the sense that that um, Eternals is kind of like an anti-MCU movie. I thought that that it was kind of like an anti-big box uh, comic book movie um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And I really appreciated that. I loved all the performances in it. I mean, I, I, I really liked it. I walked out. I saw it on Christmas Day last year and walked out. Same. Like, wow, what fun. Like, feeling good. And then I was like, let me log on to the interweb. And everyone was like, set it on fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think a part of that has to do with it's following up the the Wonder Woman, the first one, which was really good. Yeah. Uh, And we, me and Chris rewatched it before we watched 84. And it is, it's a fantastic movie. I kind of forgot how good the first Wonder Woman is. And she did a killer job with that. Yeah. Um, I think what may have made the second one less than the first is she was a writer on Wonder Woman 84 and not on the first one. And so what I think is contributing to the delays of Rogue Squadron is that the writer was brought on late and Patty Jenkins is now working with a new writer, and sure. which I think is good. I think she's she's a fantastic director. Um, But similar to what I think about J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams is a great director. Not a good writer, in my opinion. Or at least not a consistent writer. (laughs) And anyway, I think pushing release dates for Star Wars movies, I know people are concerned about this. I think it's the best thing to happen for a Star Wars movie. We don't want another situation with the sequels, with Solo, with Rogue One. They commit to these dates and then they feel rushed to deliver a... Final product. So I think pushing this movie back is good news, guys. I don't think there's anything to worry about. And the other bit of speculation about why this is pushed back, which kind of goes into our next bit of news, is that there is a rumored secret Star Wars movie that has been unannounced that is coming in 2023, the original year for Rogue Squadron's release. Now, not much details are known about it, but this. This rumor, this leak comes from a, uh, I guess they're a news outlet. They're called Big Screen Leaks. So they tweeted out that Disney is moving ahead quickly on a movie scheduled for 2023. Here is their tweet. There is a Star Wars film planning to shoot next year. It's not Tyka's film, not Feige's film, and it's not Rogue Squadrons. And that was the tweet. Now, these, these people have been known to be right in the past. That's the only reason why we're talking about it. Otherwise, I really wouldn't believe this news because nothing has been announced. Another reason why I think this could be true is because Disney has a streaming platform now. They need content for it. This could potentially be a movie made for television, for streaming. And if that's the case, it really doesn't need that much PR, that much marketing, as much as like a, a big tentpole Star Wars theatrical film. So that's my theory there. But continuing on, Big Screen Leak seems to believe that this movie is for Knights of the Old Republic and will take place during the Old Republic. And some of this could be true because if you guys remember, all the way back in 2019, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was being interviewed. And she did confirm that there was development on an Old Republic property. And she said this all the way back in 2019. She even went so far as to say that she had commissioned a writer for it. Now, the writer was... I put her picture up on screen here for you guys to see. Her name, I might mess this up, is Leda Kalagrindis. And she was commissioned to adapt the Knights of the Old Republic series as a trilogy of films. And she actually finished the first draft back in 2019. Uh, Additional fun fact: She's actually the first woman hired, or let me look at my notes here, so I can word it correctly. She's actually the second ever woman hired to write a Star Wars movie after Leigh Brackett in 1980. Uh, A long time awaited, but it's cool to see. Just a fun fact. So it is hard to believe, isn't it? So this is this is the overall news for what this secret movie could be. Big Screen Leak seems to believe it's for Old Republic. Joe, what do you think about this news? Um,
2: I like it. I mean, that's exciting. I had seen um, something that said that it was when I first saw the news about um, Rogue Squadron potentially being pushed back to 2024, it was followed by the um, news that they were still holding that 2023 release date for a Star Wars project. Um, Old Republic, I think, is exciting. I think it's really exciting. It's something that they haven't touched on in canon whatsoever. Um, I've found it so fascinating that they've put all their eggs into this high Republic basket on the timeline, right. Uh, right. Which is only you know, 200 years prior to uh, the original trilogy and like where we are or where we have been for the past 40 years in star Wars storytelling. Um, but there's been such love for the old Republic timeline, especially for those KOTOR games, both of them. Um, I also think it's interesting that they announced this year, I believe it was this year, correct me if I'm wrong, that they were redoing Knights of the Old Republic, um, right. the video game. So, I mean, that does seem like it would be a pretty big coincidence. Um, it does. I
0: mean, There's definitely an a high interest in yeah. Lucasfilm trying to bring Old Republic back in some way. Yeah. And I think... It, going to what you said about the High Republic, I think them using their resources to really invest in this High Republic era is is okay as long as they stick to just uh, literature, sticking to okay. like comics and books and stuff like that. Because um, I think eventually, like things with like the Acolyte, it will tie into that time period. Sure. Um, but as far as like going back even further, Old Republic, I would love to see resources for live action be put towards that because I think Absolutely. Old Republic has a lot of potential, not only yeah. the the long list of characters, but the story too. Go ahead, what were you saying?
2: No, I was just saying, well, on that note I was going to say, people have been itching for Revan in any sort of right, canon right. for, you know, whatever, since there has been canon, since the extended universe has existed. <laughs> right. But what, um, I just, not to deter us too much, but what are your feelings on The High Republic? Just everything they've done so far with the the comics and the novels and the have you invested any time in that yet?
0: I I can't speak on it. I have not read anything. I have The Light of the Jedi on okay. my bookshelf over there. Um, I've read the first chapter, um, but it's not enough for me to really say anything about it. I read all the articles that come out, but I I, I'm, I want to learn more, but to be honest, it's just I haven't found a drive to do that yet there's well, something about hard. it it's just not interesting to me for me yet.
2: i mean i read a lot of the jedi i read like the first I don't know, five or six issues of like the main marvel comic run it's just not i think be, it's hard to say this after me saying they should invest more time in the old republic <laughs> which is a thousand years before that but it's kind of it's hard for me to to um invest in characters that are other than yoda you know that have right. No, no relevance to the things that I'm most interested in right now. But it's it's interesting. It's I, I like. I thought it was exciting when they first announced High Republic, whatever that was, a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. Just because we were moving backward, and I thought that that opened the door, or at least cracked the door, for moving further back with the Old Republic, as if almost they were testing the waters to see how a non oh, yeah. Skywalker era property or you know a uh, whatever uh, project would fare. Yeah and then to potentially you know move in either direction uh, away from this you know 40 years of storytelling that we've been stuck in
0: that's a good way of looking at it, actually testing the waters that's, yeah. that might be actual case too um uh i'm gonna head over and see what you guys are saying in the chat some more people joining us hello welcome sith care bear um crier speeds good to see you a foreign name that i am not even going to try to pronounce but Vetterpin, hello good to see you um Taking a quick look here. Red 5 says, I also heard they're expanding the volume so they don't tie up production as a new Star Wars ramped up. So I heard this too um, because they they recently, a couple months ago, were having scheduling difficulties with all their TV shows trying to book the volume in, in Pinewood. Um, there is one in L.A., but that's reserved for Mandalorian and for Book of Boba Fett. And most recently, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So yeah, they're trying to definitely get more volume set up uh, because they're trying to use it as much as they can. And all these Star Wars projects, they they definitely need uh, to do that. Max says, I think the main reason if they delay Rogue Squadron is because of Wonder Woman. Kind of what we were just talking about, exactly. Maybe Rogue Squadron gets developed or delayed to December and Avatar is instead coming out in May 2024.
2: Don't come at me with these avatar movies.
0: <laughs> Not at all. No. I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> okay, we found we found those button. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Good to know. <laughs> um, don't worry, Verpin. We're gonna talk about the Mall series uh, at after we get through the news. But we're gonna we're gonna address it. Don't worry. Max goes on and says. I think that it's an Old Republic story come up from Star Wars Newsnet and a few other leakers tweeted hints that it's true. Uh, Yes, by the way, uh, thank you, Max, for bringing this to my attention on Twitter. I, I appreciate you saying that. So our last bit of news before we get into talking about Disney Plus Day is about Taika Waititi's film, which a lot of people are really excited for. I'm a little dubious on the idea. But I'm still excited for more Star Wars. And so this is actually about uh, some comments from his writer for the film, Christy Wilson Cairns I might be mispronouncing her last name, but Christy Wilson. Uh, She was recently interviewed by Variety and by um, Deadline, and she gave a lot of thoughts um, about the upcoming film and what we can expect. So here is what she had to say um, when asked about what it's like to write for Star Wars. And she says, you have to research, study, and spend a lot of time to get it right. It's really important to honor not only your commitment to it, but also to the legions of fans out there. It's dangerous you're asking these questions. You know, if I answer incorrectly, Mickey Mouse will burst into my room and beat me up. And I was in therapy for years about that fear. So it's clear and present. So she's joking. She's having a little fun with this comment. But one thing I really loved hearing was her saying it's important not only to honor your commitment, but also to honor the legions of fans out there. And one more quote that I don't have a picture for, she also went on to say what she loves about Star Wars. And she says, What I love about Star Wars is that they're incredibly transformative films. There is a little bit of nostalgia in them, but they can change and adapt with the times. So I think, yeah, I will watch Star Wars all day, every day, and that is what I love about them. So right away, the first thing I hear from Christy is that she is a massive fan and she wants to write a movie that both service her appreciation for Star Wars and other fans out there. And she actually watches Star Wars, which is refreshing to hear because a couple months ago, it was announced that one of the writers for The Acolyte never seen Star Wars before and didn't know anything about Star Wars. Recently, they have finally watched the films and stuff. It's not too big a problem because there's other writers on the show, but... Christy, the writer of 1917, Academy Award winner, writing Taika Waititi Star Wars film. Joe, what are your thoughts on this Taika movie?
2: Um, I'm excited for it just because I'm a big Taika fan. Um,
0: Same.
2: So, I mean, that's pretty much... All. And like you said, I'm just excited for any new Star Wars. But, I mean, what he's brought to the table so far has been uh, exciting. Um, We're talking you about? mostly about his, the, just the finale of Mando season one he directed.
0: Oh, right. That's right. I, what, do you, what do you think his... I mean, obviously, he has a very specific tone to the stuff right. he does. Uh, definitely humor-based, um, and it's, it's, it's not like slapstick humor. It's, it's got a little bit of uh, intelligence behind it, if, I, if I'll use that word. So yeah. I mean, what do you think a, a Taika Waititi tone Star Wars film could be? Do you think it'll be jarring for audiences, or do you think he knows how to balance that? I think he knows how
2: to balance it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying going back there, just his projects that are um, favorites of mine, they all really rely on humor, but there's a lot of, like you said, intelligence and, and emotional intelligence in it, and I think that he's very able to um, maintain humor as a, as a big element, but also tone it down so that it's not in the forefront. I mean, we've seen, like, um, in Rogue One, you know, there was a lot of a lot of that kind of humorous elements that weren't so much in the foreground like all of K2, you know, Alan Tudyk popping around his K2SO. I yeah. feel like there's going to be a lot of that, which is kind of very much like Taika as IG-11. Um, but I think he, I think he knows how to balance it. And I, I have a lot of faith in the fact that um, he'll be able to make a Star Wars movie that feels like a Star Wars movie.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I think, I think he's a good enough director and he's proved that in other projects to to show that. And I see some people commenting in the chat and I've seen people comment in general that they don't really want a Star Wars comedy movie. And I don't think that's what we can expect. Like it's not going to yeah, be I don't, I don't a a genre bending Star Wars film. I think there definitely will be comedic elements, but unlike the film Well, I'm going to take a comment here from Cryer Speeds Reviews. He says, I love Taika, but I don't want a lot of comedy in my Star Wars. So I I see what you're saying. I think you can have a fair amount of comedy in a Star Wars film if it's done correctly. If you look at films like The Last Jedi, which we all know here on the channel, I do not like that film. I think there is a lot of comedy in there. Now, my issue, just talking about the comedy of the last jedi it's not that there's too much it's just that it does not fit for me and it's also all over the place there's all tons of different types of jokes because you can also compare that to a new hope a new hope has a lot of comedic moments in it but it's it's almost diegetic comedy and it's it's humor that is like would feel like it takes place then. Like when Han shoots the intercom because he doesn't want to have a conversation with the person on the other side. And he's like boring conversation anyway. That's funny. It's stupid and it's campy. And that's kind of what made the humor of the original trilogy work. But so I think with a Taika film, I think if he brings in comedic elements to it, I think it's going to be done tastefully. And it'll be like in the Mandalorian when we see two stormtroopers having an argument, it didn't go on for too long. It 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 felt like two guys having a conversation in the Star Wars world and it just happened to be entertaining. Yeah. Just happened to be Jason <laughs> <laughs> No, right, I was
2: right. just gonna say all I was gonna say was I mean, I'm hearing you're not a fan of porg comedy, which I'm just saying, close <laughs> my mind it's so weird. I don't know why anybody wouldn't like a porg, you know, stepping in a lightsaber and you know, just the, if they want they or if they will they won't they? Of the lightsaber blowing a pork's head off. You know I mean? This is classic comedy. This is, I don't know what I'm talking
0: about. <laughs> uh, I want a whole hour of just that. Yeah. Every, yeah. Like one pork comes by, the lightsaber goes in, another one comes in to inspect it himself, goes in him, and they just keep going. Yeah. Just, keep...
2: just on a loop, and Chewie's in the corner eating one, and they're all really sad about it. You know, this is comedy. This is it's like a Flintstones <laughs> cartoon. It's just on a loop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it for the news today guys there was actually a lot more than i thought there was going to be so i'm glad we got a chance to get it all out of the way so going into our main topic this is where you guys can kind of talk to us a little more if you'd like um disney plus day uh november 12th is disney plus day um there's a lot of people confused about what this is (laughs) and what kind of announcements we're going to get so first of all there's going to be no uh, Star Wars movie announcements on Disney Plus Day. Uh, it, this is stuff specifically for their streaming service. Now, things that have been confirmed are things like uh, Book of Boba Fett. We'll have a behind-the-scenes video of the upcoming TV show. Um, we're going to get some more details on the Boba Fett mini-docu-series that'll be coming out. I think it's like a six-part series. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to talk there about the George Lucas mini bio series as well another six episode thing coming to disney plus um and these following things these last four things are things that are just speculated to come from this day and they come from pretty reliable sources but we may get an andor sizzle reel we may get a bad batch season two teaser trailer or an announcement and a darth maul animated series announcement which is been the talk of the town recently and finally my most anticipated part we could potentially get an obi-wan kenobi teaser or some type of footage yours too Yeah, absolutely i cannot wait for obi-wan kenobi (laughs) and it could be potential that we see a little bit of something this friday even though they just finished shooting maybe we'll get something and when people dismiss that theory of mine. I often refer back to the Knights of the Old Republic trailer we just got, where it was a very simple animatic of Revan walking into focus, igniting his lightsaber. Right. That's all I need, really. <laughs> just give me Obi-Wan walking up slowly to the camera, take off his hood and says, hello there. right, And then cut to black. <laughs> That's all I, I need. Mean,
2: I think they have more than enough to, to make a pretty significant teaser if they wanted to. I mean, when you think about the yeah. fact that, the The Robert Pattinson Batman movie, um, when they put out the teaser trailer for that, you oh know, right, two year, two years ago or whatever, they had only shot. Matt Reeves said they'd only shot less than twenty five percent of the of the film. That's but right. Yeah, put together like a really fantastic a whole teaser. trailer. So I think, yeah, yeah, or teaser. Yeah, or, yeah, a whole teaser. Trailer. But um, I think that they're more than capable of giving us like a whole minute fifteen if they really wanted to, and I think that they're. I think they probably really want to. We'll see
0: yeah and so obviously this happens this friday we the date or the times for the announcements have not been made public yet and it's a little unclear as to if they were going to have like an actual event streaming on disney plus or on youtube or anything like that it's unclear but um i just want to make the announcement here i am trying to take off work on friday just so i can comment on everything that's happening on their star wars announcements so if you guys are interested I will be doing a live stream watching this Disney Plus Day event, watching the trailers and just commenting on everything and watching it with you guys. So stay tuned. We'll I'll make an announcement on when that will be and where you can where you can watch it. But um as far as other things I'm excited about and think could actually happen is definitely this Darth Maul animated series, which I think it was red five network or someone in the chat had brought it up. Um, And yeah, this has been actually rumored for a pretty long time and there's tons of articles you can find online. And we know they've been wanting to do more mall ever since, um, ever since they brought him back in rebels, ever since they brought him back in the clone wars finale, all this kind of stuff. And in solo, a star Wars story. And after Solo, it was heavily rumored they were going to do a Crimson Dawn series or movie that would focus around Darth Maul. And I still think that is something they want to do, but I don't think it will be live action. I think animated is the route to take because Maul is most prominent in the animated Star Wars stuff. And something that I've loved that character's growth through the Clone Wars and through Rebels. And it just makes... Because he really had no part in the Phantom Menace, but he's so iconic. And when you think about what they did with him in the animated shows, it's remarkable what Dave Filoni has done to this character. Um, I'm curious, Joe, have you heard anything about, you know, the Darth Maul series or would you even want an animated series or more Maul in the future?
2: I haven't heard as much about it as you have. I've seen it tossed around very recently, just mostly in like the Twitter sphere, but I wasn't that familiar with the idea that I would, Love love that. I mean, I love everything they've done so far, like you said, with Rebels and um, with Clone Wars. that uh, Twin Sons is and Season 3 of Rebels is one of my favorite episodes of that entire series. I mean, I think I love Sam Witwer as Maul um, and I think there's a lot of potential. Did you trying to figure out how to like Keep it relevant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I have, I want to ask questions about like Crimson Dawn stuff and whatnot. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, go no anything. I was gonna
2: say I thought that was the most exciting potential coming out of the solo film, which obviously a lot of those different elements suffered from the reception yeah. of Solo, which is which suffered from the Last Jedi, and you know, that's a longer conversation. But um, are you were you in the in the know about these these Marvel comics, this bounty hunter series that's happening recently. Uh,
0: so, I, I know of them. I, I'm More actually than not bounty a Hunters. comic reader. Okay,
2: I'm um, not either. I'm not either, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm really approaching this you know lightly, just because I'm not going to speak like I know a lot about it. But the uh, portion of the story is that they bring Crimson Dawn into it in the original trilogy era.
0: Um, oh, really?
2: Yes, and that Kira as the head of the Crimson Dawn gets tangled up in this conflict with Boba Fett and the gang. So I was really oh, excited even by that, just to see them bringing Crimson Dawn back into some element of focus, you know what I mean? And yeah. back into canon storytelling, just because I think that there's still so much potential for that, that the, is untapped. And that's very much um, what we're talking about here with this, with this animated series. I mean, there's so much they can do and it's such a fantastic character. That's really just such a, tribute to Feloni's storytelling, like you said, and just how he took this character that is has two dubbed dialogue lines, <laughs> you know, and, and a five-minute fight sequence that's cut between two other major sequences and made him this well-rounded, three-dimensional, fascinating character that has so much to contribute. And I, I really would be really excited to see more and more of that.
0: Yeah, me too. Have you seen the photo of Darth Maul, but the black stripes are painted out and it's just red? No, <laughs> that
2: sounds—it's like, uh, terrifying. I was just say, I don't think I would like that. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the photo and I'll, I'll put it up okay. on screen in a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious, and it's total—that's off topic. If you want to talk about off topic, um. So anyway, um, uh. All this stuff we could possibly see on Disney Plus Day. We really don't know what to expect. I mean, they're also dropping some stuff, too. So maybe we'll get the Boba Fett documentary, the George Lucas documentary. We don't know. I'm going to take a look in the chat and see what you guys are saying here um, as we continue on through. Um, Year says, High Republic feels like it's not Star Wars. The characters aren't written like Jedi, especially in the comics. So... I can't speak on it, but Joe, I mean, what's your take on that? Since you read Light of the Jedi,
2: yeah, I think that's a it's an, an interesting take. Um, I definitely they're definitely not written like Jedi that we're familiar with in like the Skywalker era, and I think that's very intentional. It's because it's a different time for the Jedi. Uh, it, it's 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 very interesting um, seeing the Jedi Order in like a time of relative peace. Yeah. somewhat when they were at the height of their you know, not at the height of their power but like higher and it's it's very much i see what 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 he's saying about or they are saying about um not feeling like jedi just because it's much more it feels much more philosophical to me which i understand okay. is interesting but also doesn't doesn't feel like the like the jedi that we know so i get i get that completely um yeah yeah it didn't, it didn't it didn't pull me all the way in. It still might. It still absolutely might. But where we stand, um, who knows?
0: I, I can't wait to read to read light. I mean, as much as I'm not looking forward to it, I'm curious to see like what it's like and what this period is like too. But yeah. um, Max is. Do you know where you can watch the presentation? We we don't know yet. Um, they haven't made an announcement. They we just know that it's happening. Whether it's on Disney Plus itself or on YouTube. We really don't know. They'll probably do what they did last year with the Investor's Day, and you actually watch it on the Disney website. But as soon as we know, I'm going to share it on my Twitter. So, um, but the truth is, we just don't know right now. Uh, Genome, Genome Chaos, um, welcome, says, Dune had a more serious tone for a sci-fi universe, making it feel more real. The Mandalorian felt this way, too, but not as much. Do you think the Star Wars films going forward need to go in this direction. Um, Dune had a more serious tone for a sci-fi universe, making it feel more real. So one thing I would say to that is, have you seen Dune, Joe? I have. So Dune is definitely a sci-fi movie. Uh, Star Wars, I wouldn't classify it as a, a sci-fi movie. Uh, more of a fantasy or just adventure film. Um, similar tone to almost indiana jones the original indiana jones um so i think that's where it's kind of hard to compare the two while they both take place in space they both have a a similarities like the force concept with the voice and stuff like that um i think star wars can go more serious but it's it's hard to compare it to something like dune um But I think with things like the Acolyte that'll come out, I think that's going to be a really serious show and a really dark show. So I think we could see it in that. Do you have any comments on this, Joe?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, I was just going to say kind of that Dune is so self-serious and so devoid of really any uh, element of humor whatsoever or camp. And those are things that just are kind of inherent in in the fabric of Star Wars. And yeah. so I, I don't necessarily think it needs to go that way. You know, does it need to? Do the films need to go that direction? I think the answer is absolutely not. Will they? You know, probably. Like you said, with *Acolyte*, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of a lot of uh, room for slapstick comedy, based on what we know about that. <laughs> Could um, you imagine if *The
0: Acolyte* comes out? <laughs> and like, just like a, a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just like looking at the camera, like listen. Things don't always
0: go well for me. All right. Um. Have you ever flown an airplane, Jimmy? <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Oh my God. Um. <laughs> oh God.
2: Uh, thanks for the... the men's locker room after hours,
0: Joey. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it with Palpatine.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh.
0: Papa Palps. Uh, Max is, I think, Obi Wan teaser will just be a few shots of Tatooine with Obi-Wan's voice and I think the show will come out on May 4th, 2022. I think it's coming out on May the 4th as well. Definitely. Uh because it is coming out in May. Right. Next year, so um but yeah, I, I we're going to get something for Obi-Wan. I can I could feel it in my loins. I also way. think
2: that would be enough. I mean, that would be enough to satiate everybody. A couple shots of Tatooine skyline yeah. and uh just some whispered dialogue by Ewan McGregor would be enough to send everybody over the edge. I think that would do more than the trailer.
0: Well, I mean, it's like remember when that first teaser for the Force Awakens came out? It was literally that. It was just yep. shots of sand and Bump. voiceovers. Bump. Yeah, Bump. yeah. Just these disconnected shots. Yeah, it's one of the most um, viewed trailers of all time. But there's really nothing in that trailer when you look back no. at it today. So, but you're right. <laughs> we just want to see something, and yeah. that's all. Anything. That's all we need. Anything. That's all we need. Genom um, Chaos goes on and says well I love John Williams do you think the music needs to change for the films to make it more modern okay so uh, for those of you that don't know I'm a musician so this question uh, I love this question thanks for asking um, so look at the score writer for The Mandalorian Ludwig van Gorenson. he did a fantastic job with the score for The Mandalorian he's doing Bo- Book of Boba Fett as well and if you look at the way he wrote music for season one compared to season two of the Mandalorian, it's vastly different season one. I've talked about several times how it felt like he was trying to figure out what this new sound was going to be. And each episode, it was very jarring all the different tones for music for me personally. And then once season two came around, he really found his tone and what he was trying to do. And then you have scenes with like the death troopers or the dark troopers and it's borderline dubstep music mixed with like this classical um, yeah. operatic thing behind it. It's that's how you take music of Star Wars to the next level. That was inventive. And I really love that. So I think, yes, um, music can be more modern in Star Wars. You could also look at Star Wars Visions, they did a lot of fancy stuff in that, in that show as well. Um, but I don't think everything has to be romantic, period, classical music it could definitely change. Uh, Any thoughts, Joe?
2: No. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I don't think, I don't think that it needs to change, but I really say very similar to the Dune answer. Cause I don't think that it needs to change or it needs to adapt as a way to survive. But I think that it will, it absolutely will naturally. And another thing about, you know, he says, well, well, I love John Williams. John Williams is like 89 years old. (laughs) So, I mean, I was honestly, yeah, I was, he was 83 when they were scoring force awakens. So, wow. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm surprised that he, sur- you know, because I, I love him, I love him, I really, really love John Williams, but I'm not going to say I'm surprised <laughs> he survived through the sequel trilogy, but I'm surprised that he, <laughs> that he wanted to score, was willing to score the whole thing, you know, as like an, an old, old man. And I saw him at the, yeah. at the Hollywood Bowl last month, oh, sick! and he got up there, and he was going at it, and I was like, is this man all right? Like, should we, <laughs> can someone bring him a bottle of water? Like... Um, so I don't, but
0: he only does half of that, uh, maestro of the movies, right? He does. Yes. Correct. And then his, his, uh, predecessor does the first or his mentee. Yes. He does
2: the first half and with like a random collaboration of, of, uh, John Williams pieces. And then John comes out for the big guns, Indiana Jones, you know, Star Wars, Superman and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think, John Williams footprint is always going to be there, but I don't, I kind of don't see John Williams being a part himself of, of Star Wars composition moving forward. Um, I think that he, that was his outro. I mean, he's, he has also said that the only reason that he even stuck out the, the sequel trilogy is because he was, was uh, so enamored with writing for the character of Ray. And that's the only right. thing that kept him in it. So, right. um, And
0: that Ray theme is brilliant.
2: It is. It is. It's,
0: I think it's my favorite score of the new of the new movies, is yeah, Ray's theme.
2: Think, I think that and March of the Resistance are my two favorites.
0: Yeah, another great one. So I'm right there with you. But yeah, I think his last contribution to um the Star Wars films was of course The Rise of Skywalker and the uh Han Solo's theme. He didn't score the whole movie, but right. he did write the or however his theme goes, but right. yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's his last contribution. And who knows? Maybe his um, the guy he's mentoring at uh, Mark something, yeah, maybe his and do something with Star Wars. You know, yeah. I mean, the list is vast. I've also seen people suggest Hans Zimmer do a Star Wars film. That I think we would feel the difference with. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but thanks for the question uh, Genom Chaos Caleb I hope the mall series features Kira and maybe the fa- five family Crimson Syndicates though it seems Book of Boba Fett may feature the latter wow I actually didn't consider Book of Boba Fett having Crimson Dawn that's interesting yeah. do you think that could happen
2: I mean yeah I think it's definitely a possibility um
0: did you watch The Bad Batch?
2: I did watch The Bad Batch. So I very much enjoyed The Bad Batch.
0: Do you think we'll get an older Omega in uh, Book of Boba Fett?
2: I don't. Um, at least not in 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 the first season. I know there's debate about whether or not it's going to be a limited series or multiple seasons, but I think that I think it's going to end up being uh, multiple I seasons. I think so too. Um, I don't see that happening in the first season um, for a variety of reasons, partially just um, the fact that they weren't sure. And I, I'm sure they knew Bad Batch was going to be successful, but they I don't know if they were able to to see how popular Omega and the Bad Batch would be before actually. Right. You know, oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that they were confident, but I also think that there's some element of them them wanting to kind of. um,
0: And that's also putting a lot of responsibility on the audience to be like, "Did you watch Bad Batch? Do you know who this is?" Because we're bringing such a recent, such
2: a recent new property. Like you know, you had to have seen that thing. You had to have seen the entirety, or at least most of this animated series from um, you know spring and summer to um, you know appreciate this thing in December.
0: Seems yeah. like I kind of a, a
2: head expectation.
0: Do you like Omega? She was my favorite part of the Bad Batch.
2: I loved Omega. And I was when that first full trailer for Bad Batch came out, I was like, Who's the kid? Same. What is this? What are we doing? Like we don't need this. Like I thought Bad Batch was gonna be like the the renegade, like kind of more gritty right. animated project. Like what's what's with the kid tag along? Like we really don't need that element, but I thought she was wonderful i thought she was so well written i can't i've said a number of times to different people really anyone who listen on the street about how like i've i'm not sure if i've seen an animated character that felt more like a 12 year old like it's so both in the voice performance and in the writing like it's so genuine and so real and i think that i don't know just i don't know how you don't love that character
0: personally she's she's my sweet little baby ain't no one gonna F with her. I'll nobody, I'll nobody
2: puts Omega in the corner.
0: <laughs> Omega, I just love when she says her own name. Omega, Tick. Omega, Omega. Rika Hunter. <laughs> um, going on, Max says, I think we will find out about a few directors for the book of Boba Fett and how many episodes the show will have. Rumored to be nine. I think that's a possibility. Uh, we do know Carl Weathers is directing an episode of. I'm sorry, wrong show. He's directing more on Mandalorian season three. Um, But I can guarantee you the pilot is directed by Robert Rodriguez. And you'll probably see Favreau direct an episode or two because this was the original show Favreau wanted to make. He didn't want to make the Mandalorian. That wasn't his first pick. He wanted to do Boba Fett. But Disney was like. No, we've had issues developing a movie in the past with Josh Trank, blah, blah, blah. And Dave <sighs> Filoni was the one who actually suggested, hey, let's, let's do just a Mandalorian and let's reintroduce Boba Fett. And now Favreau's getting the chance to make the Boba Fett series. So that's why I have high hopes for the show because this has probably been in the back of his mind for years, since 2018, yeah. 2017 even. Um, but it's also I wanted to mention this too. It's also rumored... Ryan Johnson will be directing an episode of either Book of Boba Fett or The Mandalorian, and I'm yeah. so curious to hear your thoughts. I yeah, on... I had seen
2: Mando. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, wait, I'm, wait, I'm, hold on,
0: wait, wait, wait. Before you answer that, uh, let's preface this by some of the conversations we had when we were chatting last week uh, was was about the Last Jedi and kind of our huge
2: fan our mutual of the
0: Star Wars film. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and kind of our, was... our 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 mutual. Uh, view on the movie and stuff like that yeah um, so what uh, I overall Ryan Johnson is like a filmmaker standalone or coming back to do Star Wars where he's not writing per se yeah. you know what, what are your thoughts on that
2: I think that him operating within an existing structure that he doesn't have creative control over I'm totally fine with you know like if he's telling a predetermined story within a season arc that's manned by other people, I don't really have any qualms, you know, like we've we talked about this before, but he's, he's competent. He's a competent filmmaker. Some would say, I mean, I, I do think, I do think that he, that he's, he's more than competent uh, when he's not working with properties that I love. But I, um, I think that if he's not, if he doesn't have any creative control, if he's not writing and he just has creative control of the narrative, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't have any. I don't have any issue with it. I I like having, kind of the the slightly different tone, um, from director to director, director I do too. to director, in the, like the Mandalorian. So um, I don't have any issues with that. Um, it's when you give them a notepad and a pencil and pretty much <laughs> a blank check that's when the issues arise.
0: Right. So it. Yeah. It's interesting that we haven't heard anything about any any of the directors, but. Um... So it's a possibility, Max. And I bring this up because I know Max and a lot of our listeners love Ryan Johnson, love The Last Jedi. So uh, much respect to you guys. And if this happens, yeah. great for you guys—you get to embrace it. And I, I would, I would embrace it too. Uh, I'm not totally dismissing the idea because I, just because I didn't like The Last Jedi. And, but I'm kind of with Joe on this one. As long as he's, I could have him direct it because all of his television stuff he's done in the past, I have not seen. But From what I hear, it's some of the best episodes of those respective shows. The Breaking Bad, that. for example.
2: Well, I have seen that, but I, didn't know. I had no idea he had a hand in Breaking Bad. That's
0: he directed the episode mind. called "The Fly." Yes, have you seen that.
2: Uh, yes, I'm very, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. so that was that was his episode, and some people say that's the best episode of Breaking very, Bad. Very I have never seen the show, but um, you but you're that's right nice. he he didn't have a hand in writing those he, he was just he was facilitating the ideas and so I, I would love to see that you know i would love to see what he can do because uh knives out was good i enjoyed knives out you know um but the thing about him writing that was it took him 15 years to write that he had plenty of time you know so we'll have to wait and see Um max
2: does go on to mention looper which i also uh really 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 like looper but i can't speak to whether or not he wrote that or not
0: he did write Looper, yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but I do remember enjoying it. It was a good sci-fi movie, yeah. And uh, I enjoyed that too. That was like that was the time when people thought Bruce Willis was going to come back and like make yeah. a a real comeback, not these straight to red box movies yeah. that he's doing now, yeah. but
2: not the old man with a gun movies he's doing, where it's just like <laughs> grandpa.
0: Exactly, <laughs> so kind of what um, Kevin Costner did in the. Uh, 2011 era, which yeah, like three days to
2: live and all those weird movies. Exactly the one I was thinking of. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, me and my brother used to go watch them every because he came out with one like every year or something. They were just kind of bad. And I was like, Do you think Kevin Costner like is having tax issues because like he just needs money or something? Actually,
2: he's paying alimony or something. He's paying to keep someone like some horrible secret quiet.
0: He just found out he has like 20 kids and he's got to pay their child support. (laughs) Um, We're just going to take a few more of your comments here, guys, and then we're going to wrap it up for the day. Um, This comes from Caleb Richardson. Um, While Dune may be more serious than Star Wars, but are people usually so serious in real life? Do people not occasionally tell a joke or say something cringy? Well, (laughs) for any of you who watch this show, you know that I... I mess up all the time and I say cringy <laughs> comments here. And sometimes I'm telling jokes on the show that I think are funny, but I'm not surrounded by other people. So I don't know if it lands. So I'm just sitting here laughing at myself like an idiot. So <laughs> yes, Caleb. Um, I, I see what you're saying there. And oh, he, go, he goes on and says, I do think Kevin Kiner. Oh, thank yeah, you for mentioning Kevin, course. the composer for clone wars would have a shot of scoring one of the new star Wars movies, whether rogue squadron Tyka's movie or the rumored old Republic. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I don't know why this guy has not been offered a movie yet. Yeah, for Star Wars, and that's
2: very much like what you were saying about about um, season two of Mandalorian is very much how I felt about season seven of the Clone Wars that Kiner did. Uh, much more how so? synthy, like much more synthy, much more um, explorative, I guess. Like kind of um, not not that classic like John Williams uh, trombone. Yeah. Um, especially like the the thing that's really sticking in my brain right now is that that very final sequence of the finale of Clone Wars, where Darth Vader you know finds Ahsoka's lightsaber, and it's that like you know I can't not an instrument, but it's much more electronic. And yeah, um, I think he did a lot of that in Rebels as well. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of more uh, contemporary sounds. In rebels, um, so I think that's a really good example of a more modernized take on on a more on a on a, on a kind of a more traditional feeling Star Wars score at large, you know, and, a, and a, yeah, answer that think, question from way back.
0: Yeah, well, I think part of that, like what what's making that his transition in his music a little bit um, uh, more focused to modern-day adapting is because he's brought in his two sons to help mm. write with him now. So younger perspective, uh, probably obviously more synth-focused, but now Correct. he collaborates with uh, all three of them together, him and his children, and they all together did that last season of The Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what had a little bit of change there. But Kevin Kiner is, I've said this for the longest time, is the closest we're ever going to get to another John Williams. Not Van Gorensen is great, but he he doesn't have that flavor. Kevin Kiner understands, um, what John like how John Williams gets in that mindset. He yeah, his, absolutely, I will sit and listen to just some of his scores without picture because they're so great. Um, I, I don't really do that with The Mandalorian except for like the main theme song, of course, right? Um, but Kevin Kiner is great. Thanks for pointing that out, Caleb. I would love to see him do a movie. I would totally support that. I mean, he's, he has the talent. He has this huge range too. One thing he said recently uh, earlier this year was when they were, when he was writing for the clone wars, one thing George Lucas told him to kind of focus on was, you know, clone wars. The whole point is we're traveling to different planets and seeing their perspective and stuff. So he was like every planet we go, every new planet we go to, I want you to go to somewhere in our world and learn their type of music so he would like travel and he would learn different types of eastern writing western writing uh you know all this kind of stuff and he implemented it into the music and that's why it, it was he can do a little bit of everything with yeah. tone so yeah i'm starting my campaign right now for kevin kiner to score a star wars movie totally yeah, i'll important.
2: sign that i'll sign that petition
0: hell yeah um last thing from caleb is ryan johnson is a great at original is great at original ideas looper is good knives out is definitely one of my favorite movies um i can see what you're saying there um because he he conceived the idea himself yeah and when he came on to do last jedi he was picking up some pieces you know um we could i on we could talk about the last jedi for another three hours. And Absolutely. at some point I would like to have like another discussion with you on the show, just talking about that movie. Cause at Absolutely. some point I'm going to do a, I think it was last year, last December, me and two other people got together and, and we did a look back at the rise of Skywalker a year later, kind of a retrospective review. And I've been wanting to do that again for the last Jedi and bring in a panel of people, those that like it those that don't and really talk about um the movie and then do the same thing with the force awakens just kind of look back at everything so maybe we'll have those conversations at some point
2: i think that's a great idea
0: we will make it happen um guys that we're gonna call it for today that's the show for today um thank you guys so much for joining us live if you watch live if you're listening on the audio platforms thank you so much um Don't forget to subscribe. And on Spotify, for the Spotify listeners, we just started doing this new thing where we're adding polls and questions on Spotify. So if you're listening on that app, just scroll down to the bottom of the screen and you'll see we have some polls set up. You can answer them. You can engage with me. Unfortunately, it's only on Spotify. So hopefully Apple will introduce that later. But if you guys are interested, check that out too. Um, I'm going to go ahead and thank you. To Joe again for joining us today. It's so great to have you and talk Star Wars. Um, great to be here. You have any closing remarks or where people can find you on social media and stuff?
2: Uh, I don't have anything to plug. I don't think. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a guy who's shooting on his bed. I am on Twitter. I'm fattest Thor. F
1: a t t e s t t h o r. And
2: I I will.
0: Uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on. on. Not the fattest Thor, just fattest Thor.
2: Fattest Thor, yeah. <laughs> um, fattest, fat, fat. That is so funny for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll shoot out some some uh, interesting opinions out there every once in a while. But that's the only thing I have to, to plug.
0: Well, hell no, yeah, and then one. yeah, we'll we'll do something soon. And um, for any of you out there, you know, go give. Joe a follow, let him know what you thought of today's show and maybe we'll have him back follow Fattest Thor Um, (laughs) and again, if if you're watching on the YouTube video, uh, if you're watching this live like the video, please it helps out so much um, when it's liked during a live segment so like the video for me, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode, we're so close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube, I told you once we get to a thousand subs I'm releasing my Star Wars ranking video And I'll be doing an extended podcast version of that as well. So let's get there so I can release that video because I know you guys are dying for me to say what my ranking is. So again, that was it for the show today, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Han. We will be back next Sunday with more Star Wars talk. And of course, this Friday on Disney Plus Day, we're going to be doing it live, watching all the trailers, announcements, etc. So you can join us there. Hit hit me up on Twitter to find out when and where you can watch it. So until then, my friends, thank you so much for being here. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the Force
1: be with you. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first?